This is Blind Like Me. Hello, everyone. Interviews, information, and reviews related to living with a vision disability. Your host is Tim Black. Tim has been visually impaired since birth. He's been in radio for 30 years and also hosts the podcast Inside Today's Country. Tim has never let his lack of vision stand in his way. Welcome to another edition of Blind Like Me. Thanks very much for listening to us wherever you find your podcast. This week we go all the way to the USA and we welcome Claire Stanley to the podcast. Welcome, Claire. Hi, nice to be here. Thanks for inviting us. You're welcome. Now you are with... I am with the American Council of the Blind, or ACB for short. Let's talk a little bit about that. Who are you guys? How did you get started? Sure. Um, ACB is a membership organization of persons who are blind or visually impaired. And actually, you don't have to be blind or visually impaired. We have some sighted members. Everybody is welcome. And we have been around since 1961, which is pretty excited. Mm -hmm. Um, Let's see if I can do the math. That's almost... 60 years coming up in the next year or so. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and we bring together persons who are blind or visually impaired to both just support each other as, you know, people who are blind or visually impaired, mm-hmm. but we also do a lot of advocacy work as well. Initially, one organization in the United States called the National Federation of the Blind, NFB, and um, in 1961, there was some activity that went on within the uh the word government is coming to mind, mm-hmm. but that doesn't sound like the right word, but within the leadership and the structure of NFB, and there was some decisions made and the two organization, organizations split, and that's when ACB was born. How are you trying to help? We touch upon just about everything. What we do is, um, I work in the national office just outside of Washington, D.C., and we're the the national arm, but we have almost 70 affiliates throughout the U.S. Mm -hmm. who are both at the geographic level, so state affiliates, and also what we call special interest affiliates who do um, work in special areas. And so basically, we communicate with those affiliates and say, what are you guys hearing? What are you seeing? And they feed back to us different topics that are going on, and that's how we can kind of Um, take a measure of the issues that are really, you know, going on. And then we can learn that we need to advocate on Capitol Hill for those issues. And it's not always on Capitol Hill. Sometimes it might be reaching out to the companies directly. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it might be bringing a lawsuit. But we really take um, the pulse of what's going on in the U.S. by input back from our affiliates. So what are the big issues in the U.S. right now that you guys are having to help and deal with? Um, well, I'm sure it comes as no surprise that in the last six months or so, a lot of what's going on is the impact of COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, so whether that be the impact COVID's had on transportation, which is a huge thing, transportation's really been limited, and paratransit services that are provided under the Americans with Disabilities Act have been really impacted, um, healthcare and how people who are blind can access healthcare um, during COVID has really been a big impact. So those are just some examples. Um, employment obviously has impacted all Americans, but then disproportionately impacts persons who are blind or visually impaired. Um, so you name it, COVID's really thrown a, a thrown a wrench into everything that we're doing. No doubt. Now, how did you get involved? Um, so I am very excited. Like many of us, I, my senior year of high school was applying to scholarships like many of us do. And I found out about a scholarship that ACB gives out to college students. And so I applied. And in 2007, when I graduated from high school, I got to travel that year. It was in Minneapolis, Minnesota. I traveled to the national convention that summer Mm -hmm. and I got a scholarship and I met so many great members of ACB and other students and went, wow, I love this organization. 
organization. <laughs> and so that's how I got plugged in. And now, see, can I do the math? 13 years later, I'm, I'm on staff. Are you visually impaired yourself? I am visually impaired myself. All yes. right. So let's talk a little bit about your experience. Um, I'm pretty significantly visually impaired. Um, I have some vision, but I am a braille reader because print just doesn't do it for mm -hmm. me anymore. And I'm a guide dog user. Um, so yeah, I'd consider myself pretty, pretty low. So how is, how has life impacted, uh, you know, for you as somebody who with a visual impairment? So obviously my first, you know, real experiences were through school, um, and, you know, K through 12 and, um, learning what it meant to be accommodated as a student, you know, mm -hmm. um, I was pretty fortunate to be in a lot of the advanced placement classes and things like that. But, you know, my school is kind of resistant you know how do we accommodate somebody who's blind in these advanced classes and um, I was pretty um, pretty um, pushy for lack mm -hmm. of a better word to get all my books in braille because I'm a, a pretty passionate braille reader so learning to advocate for myself and get my materials in accessible formats and then the same thing in college and then I went on to law school so learning how to advocate for myself um, then I'm a guide dog user. So of course, mm -hmm. you know, so many experiences with being denied access because of my guide dog and having to be confident and say, Hey, under the Americans with disabilities act, you can't do that. Mm -hmm. Um, so learning to be an advocate for myself. So, yeah. Uh, there, and then you kind of touch on a couple of things. Uh, number one, I am amazed. Uh, congratulations on law school. Cause there's a lot of reading in there. Yes, there is. <laughs> <laughs> I, I am really, really impressed with anybody, it doesn't matter if they're cited or not cited, who goes to law school. So uh, I applaud you for that. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. Um, let's talk a little bit about the guide dogs and, and you know, the, the legislation around that, because we still see a lot in the media, especially, I mean, we see it here in Canada, but I know you guys see it in the U.S. as well, where, where guide dogs are still not allowed in some businesses and and there's mm. and and that's it it blows my mind that i mean we've been using guide dogs for you know forever it feels like yeah and there's still like world war ii yeah, yeah. and there's still yeah. people who who are are not aware of guide dogs and not allowing them into business and where do, where do you stand with that and, and what are you guys you know trying to do to to help get that message across you know, we're constantly pushing for it and advocating for it in the U.S. under the Americans with Disabilities Act, under Title One, Two, and Three, depending on the situation. Mm -hmm. You cannot deny access to somebody with the guide dog. There are very, very few exceptions where you can deny someone access. And when I say very few, I mean very few. Mm -hmm. um, so we're very, you know, we're constantly advocating for people. One of the most commonly seen forms of um, denial of access these days, I'm sure, will not surprise you to hear is in Uber and Lyft. Um, so under Title Three of the ADA, we have every right to access Uber and Lyft, but I can't tell you how many times I've had drivers say, nope, you're not getting in my car. Really? And I recite to them the law and they push back. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's a big issue. I never would have even thought of that. Yeah. When we get calls from our members all the time saying, I was denied a ride by Uber or Lyft and I, mm -hmm. you know, pick up my phone or open my e email box and write the same letters and report it. There have been lawsuits against both companies, but it's an ongoing issue. It's very frustrating. Where does it start when somebody contacts you guys? How Walk me through the process of how you advocate for somebody. 
Yeah, so depending on an issue, it's really an issue by issue basis. So sometimes I'm able to give people the tools they need to independently advocate for themselves. And of course, that's ideal, right? We want people to have the tools in their toolkit to advocate for themselves, because unfortunately, you know, it's things are probably going to happen again. So I might be able to teach them what part of the law applies to their issue and empower them to do it themselves. Mm -hmm. But of course, in real life, that's not always going to be enough because there are some pretty discriminatory practices out there. Mm -hmm. So sometimes I may might make a phone call for them mm-hmm. or I might write a letter for them explaining, mm-hmm. you know, that, that they've done wrong in the mm-hmm. place that, you know, discriminated. Um, sometimes it might go further and we have to bring an attorney in. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes we turn it not on an individual basis, but if we see a pattern of practice where something just continues to happen and we think a piece of law would really help, we might start to think, how can we write a law that would help change this? And we'll start to poke around in Congress and see if there's a um, legislator who would be want to help us write a law. Mm -hmm. So every situation is different. And I actually kind of find that really fun where there's no one size fits all. Um, And sometimes, you know, I always go back to the three branches of the government, right, in our constitution, legislative, executive, and judicial. And sometimes you might only pick one branch of the government, but sometimes we might play with two of them, or sometimes we might play with all three of them. Um, So it's really fun to kind of put that puzzle together and see how we want to solve it. It must be amazing having to to go to Capitol Hill. Uh, Obviously, I'm not as familiar with with the way that U.S. US politics works, Um, but it must be amazing to get satisfaction when something gets, you know, passed or, or a law gets done for you. Very much so. It's exciting to see that um, one piece of law um, that was before my time at ACB, but that our executive uh, director, Eric Bridges, got to work on and it was passed 10 years ago is the 20th. I can never get this out in one breath. The 21st Century Video Accessibility Act. And it has to do with getting things like audio description on major broadcasting networks. Mm -hmm, And we mm -hmm. all love our audio description. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's something that ACB played a big role in getting passed. And it's been around for 10 years now. And we can point to that and say, hey, we had a a role in that. You know, it's pretty exciting to see things like that come about. What's the next thing you guys are, are really working towards right now? Um, some of the big things that we're working on have to do with, uh, well, one that we worked with in the last couple of years has to do with getting uh, Medicare services to cover low vision devices mm-hmm. under those insurance services. Because right. we all know they're that really expensive. Low, they're really expensive. And I never, so I, the same thing coverage. here in Canada. I, I, I've never understood why. You know, if you buy a a monocular or you buy the JAWS software or anything like that, and you're looking at thousands and thousands of dollars, and it's crazy. It is crazy, yeah. And then another one we're really trying to work on, and again, looking at those three branches of the government, how can we get in there, is um, covering covering what the law in the U.S. calls durable medical equipment. Mm -hmm. Um, So the most common device we point to are glucometers for Mm -hmm. people with diabetes. So trying to get those made accessible as well. So that's a big passion project we have right now. Now, you say that you've got branches all over the the U.S. How does somebody become a member uh, and and get involved with what you guys are doing? So there are a lot of ways to get involved. Um, first of all, you don't even have to be a member to get involved. 
we have what we call friends of ACB. So you can be a friend of ACB. Or honestly, you can just check out our resources. Um, one thing we've been doing, especially during COVID, mm-hmm. are called community events or community calls. And you can check those out on our website. And anybody can call into those. And we cover the whole gamut of topics from, mm-hmm. you know, how to... We have arts and crafts events. We mm-hmm. have more, you know, significant like dealing with social security. So from the fun to the serious mm-hmm. and people can call into those calls and you don't have to be a member. Okay. But if you want to be a member, you can call our um, our administrative office in Minneapolis, Minnesota and say, I either want to be a member at a state level, a special interest level or a member at large. Um, and they each do have a... Um, a fee you have to pay, but they're pretty nominal. I think most are like five to ten dollars, so it's pretty nominal. That's that's pretty cool. Um, yeah. What's next for you guys? So what's next? Again, we just continue. I, I, for us, it's just kind of forever an evolving thing. Again, we really keep a a finger on the pulse of what's going on mm-hmm. in the U.S. Mm-hmm. And I kind of find that I don't know. Fun sounds cheesy, but I find that fun because you get a just kind of take a temperature of what's going on and respond in time, you know, Mm -hmm. and it's to really uh, accommodate, you know, our members, Mm -hmm. you know, we're not just going to pick something totally random and work on it. No, we want to, you know, respond in time to what's going on so that we can help our members with real life, you know, real issues going on. Mm -hmm. So just kind of continually taking the temperature of what's going on around us. Mm -hmm. How have you felt uh, or have you got response from your members? Um, You know, how are they doing during the pandemic? I mean, it is obviously a global pandemic. The U.S. is is having uh, higher numbers than, say, here in Canada. Um, And how how are the blind and visually impaired, you know, dealing with it? You know, they're doing okay, but we have gotten some issues that have arisen that are more unique to the blind community. For instance, uh, telehealth services are kind of the new norm Mm -hmm. for people. So instead of going to your doctor in person, you use um, telehealth systems. Well, I'm sure it's of no surprise that a lot of those systems are not accessible with screen reading software like JAWS. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's something we've really had to wave our arms in the air and say, hello, (laughs) this isn't working. So things like that. Um, paratransit services have been cut and that's something that can be pivotal for people to get to things like the grocery store Mm -hmm. Um, so making the point that we can't just jump in our own personal car we need to continue public transit services Mm -hmm. so there are definitely some unique things that impact the blind community that other people don't think about what challenges have you gone through during this pandemic um, public transportation is definitely a big one. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I take Uber and Lyft a lot, and that was a little nerve wracking at first because, you know, you're hopping in a car with a total stranger and you're supposed to be, what, six feet away from a person mm-hmm. in a car. Mm-hmm. You're not really going to be six feet away from a person. Right. Um, so just having to take that risk. Um, yeah, I think those are some of the big ones I've experienced. What What advice would you give someone who is visually impaired or blind uh, right now in 2020? Ooh, I mean, I think I always, not even just in 2020, but for years and years, I've just always told people who are blind and visually impaired to just get out there and do what they want to do and not be afraid to 
push against the system a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, I know over the years, I've always had people kind of say, you know, should she be taking those classes or should she be doing going to law school or, you know, should, should, should. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, just saying like, no, I'm going to do it. Um, You know, I can do whatever I want. Um, One thing that's instantly popping into my head is our employment committee, which I'm the staff liaison to. Mm -hmm. I was just at a meeting the other day and some of the members were saying, You know, a lot of times when you're blind and in the employment space, there's kind of these given types of employment that people who are blind are pigeonholed into. Mm -hmm. Like if you're blind, you're going to do X, Y, or Z. Mm -hmm. And if you want to do X, Y, and Z, that's great. That's your right. But you should also feel welcome to do A, B, or C. Mm -hmm. And so that kind of goes back to the whole idea that do what you want, you know, be be willing to push a little bit. Mm -hmm. And we've heard a lot about that uh, over several of the, the people that I've talked to, and, and even in my my own life, uh, is that yeah, uh, blind people are only supposed to be able to do certain things, and and we've got mm-hmm. to continue. We've got to continue to fight and 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 realize and, and let the sighted community realize that just because you have a visual dis- disability, uh, it's not really a disability. It's just we're a little bit different than everybody else. And we exactly. Can still, we can still do the job that everybody else does. We just need a little extra time, or we need some accommodation you know, accommodations to make the job work, right? We just might do it in a different way. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Totally. What advice would you give to the sighted community from as being a blind person? Um, don't be afraid. <laughs> it sounds so silly, but you can tell that people are intimidated sometimes by people who are blind. They don't know what to say. They're afraid they'll do something wrong. You know, we're just like everybody else. We do things a little bit differently, but, you know, don't be afraid to ask questions. Please interact with us. It's going to be okay. Um, you know, just just don't be afraid to, to uh, you know, in, in breach that initial barrier, I guess mm-hmm. I would call it. People can be really unsure. Um, and just know that we do things a little bit differently, but we, we, we do those things, you know, that we've figured out our own ways to mm-hmm. accommodate ourselves and it's going to be okay. Excellent. Claire, what's your dog's name, by the way? I forgot to ask earlier. I bet you just heard her walk in the I room. I did, actually. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so my guide dog, her name is Tulane, just like the university. That's how I always tell okay. people to remember. Tulane like the university, and she is a yellow Labrador. Oh, what a beautiful dog. She gets compliments all the time on how beautiful she what is. What a beautiful <laughs> dog. Excellent. Claire, how do people get involved with ACB? Um, so you can get involved with ACB in all kinds of ways. Go to our website, pretty easy, acb.org. Um, check out, um, I think I mentioned before, we have community events. Get involved with our community events. There's a, a listserv to do that. You can email community at acb.org and get information on our events. Um, again, check out our website, get plugged in with an affiliate. We have uh, state affiliates as well as special interest affiliates. Um, come to our convention in the summer. It's a great way to get involved. This past summer in 2020, it was our first virtual one ever mm-hmm. for obvious reasons because of COVID, mm-hmm. um, which you know we were all a little nervous about. How mm-hmm. do you do a convention virtually? Right. But it ended up being amazing. We really? had such a fun time. So, you know, we got creative and it turned out to be great. So, um, but usually it's in person. We usually have well over a thousand to 1500 people come and it's just a blast. We always have a lot of fun this coming uh, summer, God willing (laughs) with Mm -hmm. COVID. Um, it's supposed to be in Phoenix, Arizona. Awesome. Um, so yeah. 
Excellent. Claire, thank you very much for spending the time with us and talking about ACB. And uh, congratulations on all the advocacy work that you guys are doing for folks down in the States. I think it's an amazing thing. And uh, again, thanks for spending some time with us and uh, and uh, give your puppy a, a head rub for me. Will do. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Blind Like Me. If you have a comment or suggestion about future casts, drop us an email to blindlikeme at outlook.com. Blind Like Me is a timblackonair.com production.